and welcome to Falling in Love with Yourself. We all want more love, right? And most of us spend a lifetime looking for love, but we look from external sources, romantic relationships, family members, careers, even food, drugs, or material items. My name is Jenny Drake, and this podcast is to guide you back to your greatest source of love, yourself. We have been conditioned to believe that loving ourselves first is selfish. It is not selfish. As a matter of fact, it is the pathway to happiness, joy, and fulfillment. The root of all of our happiness and unhappiness begins with the relationship we have with ourselves. We hear often that we need more self-love, but I am here to teach you how. Whether you are single or in a relationship, a stay-at-home mom, or a CEO, we can all grow in areas of self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-trust, and self-fulfillment. I am a divorced, empty nester, mother of two that is living her best life. Now, I wasn't always living my best life, I am a recovering perfectionist, a recovering control freak, a recovering people pleaser, and a recovering martyr. I also have the gift of gab and transparency, so you will hear lots of details about how I practice my recovery of all of these traits through the process of loving myself. I'll also share exercises and suggestions that I use with my coaching clients that have helped them break down barriers in all areas of life. So, grab a mug or a glass and fill it with your favorite beverage. Consider this episode a date with yourself. Are you ready and excited to fall madly and deeply back in love with yourself? Hey everyone, welcome back to episode two of Falling in Love with Yourself. My name is Jenny and my heart is just so full at all of the positive feedback that I have received from episode one. Thank you. Thank you so much for subscribing and your reviews and your ratings. And for those of you who DM'd me on Instagram, um, I just really appreciate all of the positive comments. It really just melts my heart to know that you connect with me and that my stories and um, self-love journey tips inspire you in some way. So thank you so much. I'm also super excited to share with you that our Monday Motivation Tribe last week was off the hook. These women are so amazing. They gathered from all over the world Monday morning on Zoom to connect, be validated for their voices to be heard, and just to inspire each other. You guys, Monday Motivation Monday Motivation Tribe is, I'm so excited, I can't even talk, but it is so amazing. And if you would like an invitation, please go on to jenny-drake.com, drop me your email, and I will be sure to invite you. We are doing this every Monday in 2021 because it is so fun to have that hour of me time to kick off our week on a high note. I also give away prizes and the prizes are really, really cool. So be sure to join in. So on today's episode, I get really personal. We're talking about loving ourselves through identity crisis. 
I don't love the word crisis because it has such emotional attachment to it, but it really is about the transitions in our lives and the labels that we attach to ourselves and what happens when those labels change and how it really has forced me in every experience that I have to look inward about who I truly am as a person. Because how can we truly love ourselves if we don't know who we are? So as you're listening to this episode, here are some questions that I would love for you to think about and ponder as I'm talking. Have you ever said the words, I don't even know who I am anymore? And have you ever felt like you've lost yourself? I think many of us have done that. And what have you done to rescue yourself when you have felt lost? And also I want you to think about the voice in your head and how you talk to yourself. So those are some of the things that I'd love for you to ponder. I also want to tell you that when I was recording this episode, it was 82 degrees in January and my doors were wide open. So you will be hearing some background noise. You'll hear a couple of motorcycles and even a siren. So I hope you enjoy the imperfection of episode two and we're going to take a small break and then we're going to come back and get started. All right, welcome back. So one of the cool things about doing this podcast is, as you heard in the intro, I am a total recovering perfectionist. And these full episodes, I just really lean into the imperfectionisms of them and working out the kinks as I go. So thank you so much for being patient with me. Um, listening to episode one. Hopefully with each episode, you'll hear some improvement, but I don't script out the full length episodes. I just do them from notes and outlines. And so I really appreciate you embracing that they're not perfect as well. They're definitely from the heart and transparent and completely honest that I can promise you. I can't promise you they will be completely perfect and I'm not going to slip up. But that's okay, because that's who we are, right? None of us are perfect. So I've always kind of had an identity issue just stemming around my name, because my full name is Jennifer, and I go by Jenny and Jen. And when you think about it, like, I have three names. And each one of those names has a different connotation to it. And it has a different feeling to it. So maybe you can relate if you are one of those, if you're a Jennifer, because heaven knows that there's thousands, millions of us just, you know, right outside my door. Um, but maybe you have a name where people call you three different versions of it too. But Jennifer, Yuck. 
no offense to any people out there that go by Jennifer because it's a beautiful name. But the feeling that I get from Jennifer is Jennifer Lynn, go to your room or Jennifer. <laughs> so it really um, invokes a feeling of, uh-oh, what did I do now? Or I'm busted or holy crap, you know. I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm probably going to have a lot of people calling me Jennifer now just because I said that. Um, and then there's Jenny, which that's been an interesting evolution in my life because my family members call me Jenny. And I, if you listen to episode one, um, I am the baby of five and we are five siblings that are all spread out in age, although we're very close. Um, but we, you know, there's like a 19 year gap between me as the youngest and my brother, who's the eldest. So they all call me Jenny. My parents always called me Jenny. I was an aunt starting in third grade. All of my nieces and nephews called me Jenny. So that's a very um, loving term in my mind. But the funny thing about that is, is in school, in college, and with my friends, I always went by Jen. My ex-husband called me Jen. Even one of my children calls me Jen. <laughs> and I love Jen because it's casual and it's um, you know, it feel I feel close when people call me Jen. So if you want to, you know, reach out to me, I'm totally okay with any of my names, but Jenny and Jen are what I prefer. After the divorce, I went back into the workforce and I didn't want to go by Jen because I thought that that was way too casual in a professional setting. And I didn't want to go by Jennifer because, you know, I already talked about that. So I went by Jenny. And as people, you know, talk to me throughout the day as Jenny, it reminded me of my family talking to me. And I really took a liking to it. So I, in the last four years, have really kind of turned off Jen. I mean, of course, people still call me Jen and I love it, but I've really been introducing myself as Jenny and it's really great. So why am I spending five minutes telling you about my three names? Because we attach things to ourselves and they become our identity. And I just feel like that's such a great illustration of I'm a really complex person I've got a lot inside of me and I react different ways to the complex people that are around me, even by just a name. So it's really interesting to think about that. You know, who am I? Am I Jennifer? Am I Jenny? Am I Jen? Well, guess what? I'm all of them. And so keep that in mind as we're kind of talking about identity today, there's not one thing that is our identity. There's, we are a lot of different things. And one of the things that we do is we attach labels to ourselves, And 
sometimes we have emotional attachment to those labels and we think that the, that is our identity as well. Um, again, when I talk to women who I coach and I say, tell me a little bit about yourself. They say, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a Christian. They are telling me labels or they say, I am a runner or I love yoga. They're telling me hobbies or things that they enjoy doing. And really that has not much to do with who we are as people and what our identity is, right? Um, I love the quote that says, we are not what we do because what happens when we don't do that anymore, right? And we might have that fantasy-like illusion that, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, or I'm going to be this for the rest of my life. Well, folks, life doesn't always work out that way, because I can honestly say that when I became an elementary school teacher, when I was 25 years old, I thought I was going to be a teacher until I retired at 70. <laughs> Teachers don't work that long anymore, but I didn't know that in 1995. I thought I was going to be a teacher. I was attaching that label to myself as my career forever. And then I learned it didn't last forever. Likewise, when I became a wife, I was the wife of him forever. And then I wasn't anymore because forever didn't happen. And I was like, oh, crap. Now what? <laughs> um, so when we attach those labels to us and we make it who we are and that goes away, life happens, sometimes it feels like our world is crashing down or the bottom has fallen out or something like that. And that's where the term identity crisis comes from. And, you know, there's a lot of memes out there about identity crisis or midlife crisis, but it really is just a way to ask ourselves, okay, who am I really? So as I said, when I graduated from college or actually in college, when I chose my major and kind of planned out my life, I attached two labels to myself at those young 20s. Um, I wanted the recipe for a happy, fulfilling life. And I wanted that recipe written right then and right there. I was not the person that was going to try out different things and just see how it goes. I wanted to figure it all out by the time I graduated from college. And so I attached the label of elementary school teacher and 
member of the church to who I was. And I did teach elementary school for a good long time, over a decade. And I started feeling unfulfilled. It was not meeting my needs the way that I um, thought that it would or how it would before I became a mom. And just a shout out if you're listening and I've had any of your kids in my class, I love your children. Every single one of my students throughout the years, including I still teach in, in a capacity um, right now during COVID. And so the children are why I went into teaching the kids. And that was consistently from day one up until today. Like I love the kids, but it became different and it wasn't about the kids anymore. That was just a small part. And also I was just really being called to be at home with my children. And so when my youngest was in first grade, my class, um, I took a step back from teaching. And actually the universe really kind of made that happen because at the time I was doing a job share, which was awesome. And our job share did not get uh, approved for the following year. And it was soon after that, that we really talked about moving out of the country for my ex-husband's job. Um, and so I, I really at that time, I wasn't too concerned about letting go of the label of teacher because I stepped right in to the label of mom. And boy, oh boy, those few years between me not working as a teacher and before we left to move out of the country, um, I was going to be the best damn mom on the planet. Like I remember I'm going to, I had a whole list of what I thought the best moms, you know, did. And let me tell you, I was going to make my own bread and I was going to make my own laundry detergent and we were going to have reading time and play time and art time and all of these things <laughs> because I let go of the label of teacher and I just transferred it over to mom. And those were really great years. Um, they were awesome. If you talk to my kids now who are 19 and 22, um, you would probably say that those were probably the best years of their childhood. Um, so I was successful. I do want to talk a little bit about, I want to take a step back about when I just talked about being the best damn blank in the world. Um, that's, that had been my, <laughs> that had been my practice. Uh, whenever I decided to dive into something, I was going to be the best at it. And I was going to do it 150% because darn it, I was going to feel good about myself in that role. So think about if that resonates with you a little bit. Think about the roles in your life 
currently or in the past? And how do you approach them? Do you approach them as, I'm going to do my best. I'm doing the best that I can. Dang it. Day by day. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Or do you set out to do something and say, I'm going to, you know, do my very best. It's really, um, you know, it's, it's noble to want to do our best at everything. We teach our kids that. Just try your best. But there is a slippery slope and there is a trap that we can fall into of our best isn't good enough. And so it's really important in our self-love journey and really honoring ourselves that our best changes every day. And our best doesn't look a certain way. So if you're a mom out there, if that label identifies with you, give yourself a break because nobody is the best mom. And you're not going to be at your best every single day. And I hear and heard a lot of women that said, oh, I really messed up. You know, I did this and oh, I did this with my kids or I, you know, yelled and screamed at them or oh, they had ice cream for dinner. I mean, mom guilt sucks and we just need to cut ourselves some slack in everything, but especially as moms. Um, Because can I just say, at the season that I'm in, one thing that I've learned is you're doing, we're doing the best that we can as moms. And no matter what, it's always going to come back to us. (laughs) You know, Sorry if you can hear that really loud motorcycle outside, but it is 82 degrees in January at my house right now, and I have the doors open. So, Um, but I just laugh. I just laugh because, I mean, I don't really laugh, but it always comes back to moms, right? Like, it's kind of our fault how our kids turn out. I don't want to say fault because that has so much like shame attached to it, but it comes back to the moms and no mom. I totally consider my childhood amazing. And my mother was as wonderful as the next. And I still have issues. I still have issues. And I did the best that I could, and my kids have issues. So, sorry, kids. <laughs> I mean, we all do, right? Um, I think you get my point, is we try the best that we can, and no matter what, there's going to be learning along the way. Um, so when I would tell myself, and a, a great example in my life, was when I became a member of the church that I belonged to. Because boy, oh boy, if 
I was a perfectionist in anything, it was in that role. I was going to do everything perfectly and I was going to do everything to a T. And I put a lot of stress and strain on my family because my standards were super high. And if my husband or my kids didn't align with those standards, they heard about it from me. What I'm realizing though, is that was such an unhealthy approach. It was such an unhealthy approach because I wasn't trying my best for the right reasons. I was trying my best to make myself feel good for that self-approval. And there was probably some external approval that I was looking for, not really from my peers. I'm not really like that, but definitely my inner circle. I probably, well, not probably, let's just be honest. I was looking for approval from my husband. I thought if I was this very righteous Christian, you know, that he would love me more. Hmm. I just stumbled upon that. He would love me more. So future episodes specifically will be about loving ourselves in romantic relationships. But that has been a pattern of mine, especially in my marriage, of how my partner can love me more. And we will talk more about that. If you are in that predicament, self-love, ladies, is the key. I just didn't know it back then. I was looking for approval slash love from my spouse, but I also was looking for approval from God. Like I thought the better Christian that I was, the better member of the church that I was, he would love me more. And this isn't a religious podcast. It definitely is a spiritual podcast. Whatever you identify with as your higher power, I want you to know it's not based on how good you do things or how much you do things. It's just not. At least that's what I've come to believe. That love, that infinite love that our creator has for us is there regardless of our actions and regardless of what we put into it. And I'm actually um, being a guest speaker tomorrow on someone else's podcast that's all about addiction. And I really, really learned that when addiction became a part of my life. Um, you'll hear more about that on an upcoming episode. But that's where I really learned that God's infinite love for us doesn't matter what we do. So I've talked about a couple of things. I've talked about my career as a teacher and as a wife and as a Christian, and I'm still a Christian. I'm not a member of the church. I'm not a wife, and I don't have that career anymore. And if I had placed my identity on those things, on those labels, then I really would have crashed down when they, when they disappeared. 
it, I was, I'm very grateful that I started my self-love journey before the divorce. Um, it actually was part of my path to, let me just tell you, my self-worth and my self-love was not even at rock bottom. It was buried under those rocks in my marriage. I had given away my power to all the external sources. And I really, really lost myself. Um, part of me pulling myself out of that, looking back, the baby steps were to take, I started taking care of my health. I was about 50 pounds overweight and I was miserable. I had been looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Looking for love from my husband, not feeling it. Looking for love from food, not feeling it. Looking for love from God. I knew it was there, but I wasn't feeling it. And I was working really hard in all of those areas and I was exhausted. Where I forgot to look was to myself. And I've come to realize that that infinite love source from our creator is within us. I used to think that his love or that love, source love, came externally through my ears and down into my heart. But what I've come to realize through prayer and meditation is it's inside of us and we can access it in our soul. So that's been a huge shift in my self-love journey and loving myself and tapping into that infinite source of love is realizing that it doesn't come from the outside. Sure, sometimes we feel that source love through other people's words, through other people's podcasts, through other people's sometimes reading books. I pull angel cards in the morning and I know I feel that love from outside. But really the source of it is in my soul. And that's where I can access it 24 seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that's a practice. And I can teach you that practice. That is one of the things that I do with my coaching clients is I teach how to access that, that infinite source of love from our creator in our soul. Um, we moved to China. <laughs> we lived in Beijing, China as a family for two years. And it was in China that I really hit my lowest point. I did not want to be in China. I did not want to be married. I did not want to be overweight. I was, I was lower than low. I remember days that I felt like bricks were on my chest and I could not get out of bed and walking my kids across the street to the bus stop was incredibly hard for me. And I would do it and I'd go right back to our apartment. I'd 
pull all the blackout curtains. We lived in a service department. I'd put out the do not disturb sign and I would just lay there, sleep it away, numb myself from all of that. Um, it was a really hard time and I'm not telling you this to like bring you down or to have pity for me, but I've been there. I've been depressed. I was, I was so down that I was willing to come back to America and leave my children with my husband there. Thank goodness I didn't do that because I, I would have really, um, it wasn't, it was what my ego, my head wanted to do because I just wanted the pain to go away. But I'm so grateful I didn't act on that. It wasn't what my, what wasn't what my intuition and my source was telling me to do. And I floundered for a bit. I talked to a doctor that was okay. But honestly, you guys, what got me out of that was walking to a gym <laughs> that was a mile away in downtown Beijing. And I, at the beginning, the goal was not even to work out at the gym. Like that was too hard for me to do, was to make a commitment to even work out. That was too big for me to even think. So I made, my, I made a commitment to myself that after I dropped the kids off at the bus, I would walk to the gym and the gym was glorious. Oh my goodness. Shout out to my ex-husband. He was so desperate to make me happy that he, he joined a really luxurious gym in Beijing. And so my goal was to just walk there. And if I could get there, I would reward myself with the amenities. Now, it wasn't like a free spa, but, you know, going into the steam room or going into the jacuzzi or even just taking a shower there with their beautiful smelling shampoos and body washes, I was going to reward myself if I could get there. And that was the beginning of pulling myself out. And then it became okay, I'm going to work out there. And you guys, let me tell you, some days it was like snow and below zero temperatures. And I would still, I would still do it. I would put on my big, I still have it to this day. I have this huge down jacket that goes down to my calves with my Ugg boots, but they were probably spelled U-G-H instead of U-G-G, if you know what I mean. Um, and I would get to the gym and then I started working out. I had started running before China and totally gave it up when I got there because I didn't know how to run with the air quality. But that was the beginning stages of my self-love journey. And it sounds really basic but when we make promises to ourselves, even small promises, those are the seedlings of our self-trust. And then they get bigger and then they get bigger because every time we break a promise to ourselves, it's worse than someone else breaking a promise to us. It really has an effect on us. Um, and little by little, I learned Chinese 
And I was really able to pull myself out of the darkness in the, the label of expat. Um, so the point of this is, is I had to find something within myself to rescue myself. And that took looking inward and not turning to external sources and building a little bit of trust within myself. And one of the other things that I did to rescue myself out of that dark space was I had been looking at Beijing through really pissed off eyes. And I decided to get a small um, spiral notebook and keep it in my pocket. And anytime I went out and about, whether it was shopping, I had a little cart on wheels that I had to do. And mind you, I had to use the language anytime I walked out of my apartment. So um, that was a challenge for me. And anytime a taxi driver was nice to me, or if I noticed flowers blooming in the middle of the freeway, I would take out that little small spiral notebook and just write it down. And I started looking for the good in things. And that was such an amazing process that I went through because it was such a lesson to me that the more we look for beauty and positivity, the more it appears. And that was just two ways that I was able to rescue myself in a crisis. Um, the other two areas of my life when I really had to look inward at who I was and how I could, again, rescue myself was after the divorce. I mean, we had been married for 22 years. Again, it was like, whoa, now what? Even though I was the one that ended up filing for divorce, it, it doesn't matter. Divorce is hard no matter how much you want it and no matter how amicable it is, because we did not really have an amicable marriage, but we had an extremely amicable divorce, which I am so grateful for. And I'm so grateful that he and I have a good relationship now, but it took a lot of work and a lot of um, really exactly what I'm talking about is finding out who we were individually because we had to decide individually, I had to decide on my end of what kind of ex-wife I wanted, I was going to be. And what kind of parent, single parent, I was going to be. So there you go. There's again, those labels, ex-wife, single parent. And it really took me of going into... There's a lot of um, examples around. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of, you know, examples and illustrations of ex-wives and single moms that we see 
among our friends, among our society, in TV shows. And it really, I said, it, it, it was a conscious decision to say, what type of ex-wife do I want to be? Now, I'm not trying to like brag or boast because it has not been all roses. There have been times when, you know, I've lost my temper still, you know, even as the healing continues to happen and the forgiveness continues to happen. I'm not perfect, neither is he, but we both made a conscious decision to support our children and to show them something different than what they saw in the marriage. Um, that was another big who am I stage. Coming out of, out of a divorce, um, one child away at college, now I'm just living with my teenage son. I That was when I really looked inward and I remember asking myself and really journaling about what do I think, what do I know, and what do I truly believe? Because what do I think, you know, our thoughts are not facts, they're just thoughts. And what I thought I knew had proved to not be true so many of the times. And I really didn't know what I believed anymore. So after the divorce, it was a huge awakening for me of, okay, here I am. I'm 45 years old. What do I truly believe? And I took that time, this time, to really self-analyze and self-reflect. And ask myself the questions of, do I believe this because of childhood experiences or people from my childhood teaching me? And that's really when I started doing some inner child work. And I also asked myself, did society teach me this? And do I really believe what I thought I believed. And it's been such a glorious experience because unfortunately, glorious for me, not so glorious probably for my close loved ones because I did end up stepping away from the religion that had been a part of my life and a part of my children's life. And that was really hard for the people around me. Um, it was very confusing. But stepping away from that organized religion, I didn't do it um, unconsciously. It was, a, it was very conscious. And I knew it was the right decision for me because the way that I was interpreting religion and that specific religion was not aligned with what I truly felt. And to be completely honest, um, and I'll talk about this, it, it'll be probably repetitive, but um, 
I turned my back on a higher power for about 18 months. I, I had to go through that process to truly go inward to understand what my belief was because I had thought I believed something for a long time and then it didn't make sense to me anymore. So I stepped away and I, I did have spiritual counselors both inside the church and out kind of guiding me and asking me questions. But I kind of closed my closed the book on any sort of spirituality for a good 18 months. And during that 18 months, I was going to figure it all out myself. I was like, I can do this. I can figure out my career on my own. I can figure out how to be a single parent on my own. I can figure out financial stability and security all on my own. I don't need a higher power. And I had a really, I was in a relationship at the time and he was very supportive, at, but I was struggling. I was stressed out. I was in a job that I was having a lot of fun at, but it wasn't a career job. And I was just thinking that I had to figure it all out. I had, give, I had also given myself an unconscious deadline that I would have my whole life path figured out by the time my youngest son was graduating from high school. He was part of 2020 graduating high school class, the COVID class. And as his graduation became closer, oh my goodness, I was getting more stressed out. And this was all subconscious. Like I didn't know why I was kind of having anxiety attacks all the time. Um, and it was actually my partner that said to me one night, he said, Jen, you know, you've been trying to figure this out all by yourself for a long time, but you don't have to figure it out. Someone already has it figured out for you. So maybe if you would just turn to God, it would be easier for you. And honestly, it was the right person at the right time with the right words because it just was right. I, I, I was like, you know what? You're right. Other people had told me that, but I wasn't ready to hear it yet. So that night was the first night in a long time that I actually turned back to my source, my creator. And at that time I really, was not attached to it looking like anything or sounding like anything or, you know, but life has been so much easier since then. And that has been the catalyst of figuring out who I truly am. So the point of that whole story for you is if you are struggling, you have we have it all within us to get ourselves out of the struggle, 
but also to have the answers within us. But not in the way where I thought, my dad, I love my dad. My dad is awesome. He always says we're on the yellow brick road. And I never really, it never really resonated me with me. But after I had this spiritual awakening of turning back to God, um, I realized that I had been building the bricks, painting the bricks yellow, laying the bricks, when somebody else was already doing that for me. And all I had to do <laughs> was step on the bricks and just be guided on those bricks. And that's the way that I've been living my life. And it has nothing to do with religion. It, I use the term God loosely. I, I go back and forth between creator, source, God, universe. Like, I don't know. All I know is it's something bigger that is infinite loving that I feel it in my soul instead of in my head of the path that I'm I'm on. And every morning when I wake up, that is the recurring thought that I have is just allow me to take guided action today. And if you follow me on Instagram, Jenny underscore Drake underscore, you'll see that affirmation. Today I will take guided action. And that just really turns us back towards ourself, gets us out of our head gets us out of the external noise and allows us to pause, take a breath, and then go forward to whatever action needs to happen. Um, that all happened because of my divorce. I'm not quite sure that that would have happened inside of my divorce. So again, an identity crisis or change in labels is what leads us back to our inner wisdom and our inner self. The last one I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to kind of review some of the um, exercises and things that helped me to go back to, to my center through these, these times. The last, before we get to that, I'm just going to talk about what I just went through this summer, which was sending my youngest off to college. Both of my kids decided to go across the country to school. And I'm not, instead of taking it personally, like why in the world do they want to get away from me? I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I'm looking at it as they're just independent. And I'm lucky that they are confident enough to do that. And I, I'm so proud of both of them. They really, really are amazing adults. And I just, I, I don't take any credit. I always say they came to me the way that they are and, and they've always amazed me. And I just can't wait to continue to see what the two of them do with their lives. But I had never lived alone. You know, I went from home to college with roommates to college with roommates to marriage and then marriage to living with my son 
So this summer, and that was one of the things that I was having huge anxiety about because being the baby of five, I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to handle being alone. Um, throughout my life, the fear of being alone was always very much present. We'll talk late in later podcasts about fear and not allowing fear to take over um, or lean into the fear. But I did not know how I was going to handle being alone. And I'm going to tell you, it has been such a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I love seeing my kids flourish in their lives, but I also love having my own space. I've so enjoyed decorating my own space. This year at Christmas, I didn't know if my son was going to be able to come home. My daughter wasn't able to come home for Christmas, unfortunately. I didn't know if my son was going to be able to come home because of COVID. So I decided this is the first Christmas tree that's all mine. I'm going to, I'm going to put a lot of rose gold and pink all over it. And I loved it. It was so beautiful. Is so beautiful. He ended up coming home and we had a great three weeks together. Um, but some of my married friends came over before COVID, but um, they're like, man, single life is great or living on your own is great because I get to eat what I want, watch what I want. One of the things that I did for myself was I'm not a great cook. I don't love to cook and I don't know how to cook for one. So we have a little healthy place that prepares meals down in my town. And so I go there once a week and pick up five dinners and they're all healthy. They're all balanced. They're all fresh. And um, I go there and I pick up five a week because I'm saving money and I'm eating healthy and I don't have to cook. And that was that was really empowering for me because... I used to have a really hard time spending money on myself, but being on my own now, being an empty nester, I am learning to spend money on myself for things like that. And it's, it is such an act of self-love. When we take care of ourselves, it, it really fills our soul and really nurtures that, that relationship with ourselves. So, Let's just go over a few of the tips and exercises that I did throughout my identity journey that really helped me. The point is, is instead of us losing our way, that we turn back to self. So in China, I took the smallest baby steps that I could to put my health as a priority. I also decided to make a conscious list of positive things and great things that I was grateful for that I saw, smell, felt, tasted while I was there in China. I also, um, turned back to a higher power. And if you already have a higher power in your life, just really asking 
how to nurture that relationship and focusing a little bit more on spiritual practices through maybe meditation, prayer, readings. And then asking ourselves, are we okay spending money on ourselves? I did a whole thing about this on my Instagram page about how, you know, there was a time when my kids dressed really from really fancy places and my clothes were, you know, not. So looking at how you spend money and if you feel guilty about spending money on yourself and, and that. So our time is up and I just want to reiterate that life is always going to change. Nothing really lasts forever except for what we have right here in our body and inside our body. That's going to be with us till our time expires here on earth, but nothing else is really secure like that. So as if the more that we can enrich and nurture and fulfill our body, our soul, our spirit, the more we will be able to handle the unexpected twists and turns that life presents to us. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I would love to hear your feedback about it. I would love to hear if any of my stories relate to your stories. That just makes me feel so good when somebody says, I felt like that too. I would love to hear how you have gotten through different identity situations in your life. If you've dealt with dark spaces and depression, how you were able to rescue yourself out, please, please, please reach out to me on Instagram at Jenny underscore Drake underscore or on my website, which is Jenny-Drake.com. You can also um, access me um, at Jenny at Jenny-Drake.com via email. But the best way is to leave a comment or a review here on the podcast and share the podcast. If you feel so called, to share this on your social media and be sure to tag me. I would love, love, love that. Don't forget this Wednesday, we have another quickie coming up. I hope you have enjoyed this date with yourself and I can't wait till next time. Have a great week.